Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Awesome. That was kind of a good little jazz vibe, right? Good job. Worship team, come on, let's give our worship team a hand. Incredible, incredible time in God's presence this morning. Thank you guys for the hard work you put in week in, week out. Let me just introduce myself real quick for those of you who are new here. My name is Steven. My wife, Jennifer, and I, she's actually helping out in kids this morning. We're the lead pastors, and along with an incredible launch team, launched this church four weeks ago. We are four weeks old. We are four and oh. We're still undefeated because Jesus is still undefeated. Amen. Come on. And so we're super honored that you would spend your morning with us. If you're new here, I want to invite you. You can text. We want to connect with you. And so one of the easiest ways to do that is to text the word Avenue Connect to 97000. You'll receive a digital connection card. Just take a moment, fill that out. And if you would rather do like a hard copy, paper copy, you can do that at our connection tent outside. We've got a gift for you just to say Thanks for spending your morning with us, but we just want to stay connected. We're not going to harass you. We'll send you a a few encouraging text messages and emails uh, early on just to kind of build a relationship, but we would love for you, if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to get connected here at Avenue Church. If not, let us help you find somewhere to get connected because it's very important for you to grow in your relationship with God is to find a local body to be a part of. Amen? Awesome. So we're so honored to have you. Um, We're starting a new series today. So... February is known as the month of what? Love. It's the month of love, and it's the month that all the single people hate because it's all about who you're dating, who you marry, what are you going to get? But here's the thing. like, So we're not just going to talk about love, sex, and dating. We're going to talk about relationships because here's what I know in general. We are relational beings, right? We are meant for relationship. And the only time that we see God saying anything is not good in scripture during creation is when he looks and he sees man all alone. And he looks and he sees man all alone. And that's when he says, oh, that's not good. We have to fix that. And so you got to think that, that God even recognized that he wasn't enough. Now, I know that may rock the boat a little bit with some of our theology and our talk because we always say, all you need is Jesus. But God looked and saw that he was all had, we'll get this fixed, all that Adam had, but he still saw that, look, he needs somebody else. And, of course, we know the story he created Eve, and that's not just in a husband-wife relationship, but I believe that it's for community, that he wants us to live in a relationship. So for the next four weeks... We're going to be talking about relationships, not just marriage and dating, but I want us to check the status, the health of different relationships within our life. And so um, we can't compartmentalize our relationships. We have to understand that they are all interconnected. How many of you know that if your relationships aren't going well at work, that you bring that home? And that affects how you relate to your family, to your spouse, to your kids. And if things are not going well at work, What happens when you are not going well at home? What happens when you go to work or go to school? 
it affects your job. It affects your relationship with your coworkers. And here's what we also know, like our relationships that we had in the past, they affect our relationships now. The relationships that we have now will affect the relationships that we have in the future. And so we need to keep a constant pulse check on all the statuses of our relationships. And so when you think about relationships early on, like you, immediately you just think about dating. And I was kind of thinking back to some old dating shows. Um, and even some of the ones that started out on MTV back when I was in college, you had Third Wheel. Does anybody remember Third Wheel? It's like your friend fixed you up with someone and then you went on the date with them. And so they got to watch and decide whether or not he or her was a good match for you. And then there was the blind date. Anybody ever been on a blind date by chance? Oh, just me. Okay, I'm going to raise my hand all by myself, okay? Went on one. Uh, she had green toes, and it wasn't polished. So, yeah, that, we, didn't, we didn't go back. <laughs> we didn't go back after that. Um, there was marriage at first sight, where you marry someone the first time you see them. Um, there was a season in college that I thought, you know what, I, I, I really am okay with arranged marriages because I don't want to date. I just want my parents to pick out who I'm going to marry so I don't have to fool with it. And now that I'm a dad, there's going to be an arranged marriage for my daughters. Yeah, I've already got them picked out. And then, and then there's, of course, there's the current ones, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, right? It's been going for like 20 years now, and I've lost interest forever ago. It's, it's not even real, right? It's all scripted. But some of the favorites that I remember growing up was The Dating Show and The Love Connection. And so kind of how that worked is you had a lucky bachelor or bachelorette that went on the show and got to choose between, between three candidates based off questions that they asked. And so we're going to play that this morning, and we're going to let you guys pick who you date, all right? Because this first relationship is probably one of the most, if not the most important relationship that you have because it affects every other relationship. And so I'm going to give you some characteristics of these three candidates, and hopefully you'll pick the right one. So the first candidate um, prides themselves in being woke or culturally relevant. All right? They love fashion and style. They work hard at being affirming and open-minded. However, they can come across uncommitted, but at the same time, codependent. Like, how does that work? They're uncommitted and codependent at the same time. But I promise you, once you realize who this is, you're like, oh, that makes complete sense, all right? So that's the first potential candidate. So lock that in. See if that's someone you want to choose. The second potential candidate is this. They're extremely grounded, not easily influenced. They like to challenge the social norms. They actually want to bring out the best in people. But they're often misunderstood and viewed as out of touch. Hmm. Yeah, we know people like that. It's just like, you're so old-fashioned. Candidate number three, they value being informed and informative. I have value on being politically involved and correct. However, they're extremely flexible and change with current situations. But they can be deceptive and self-serving. So looking at those three candidates, you've got the first one. You've got the second one. You guys lock all those in. All right. If you're going to choose the first candidate as your next date, raise your hand. Okay, my illustration is going to bomb. Maybe not. We'll see. All right, if you're going to choose the second candidate, raise your hand. A couple people, everybody. Awesome. No, you guys are incredible. All right, if you're going to choose the third candidate, raise your hand. Everybody's like, uh, come on, be bold, be brave. Wrong choice, but it's okay. <laughs> Listen, all right, so the first candidate, if you think about it, that's social media. 
<laughs> it's like millennials. Stop picking on the millennials. They're incredible. That's social media. Because if you think about it, they pride themselves in being woke and being culturally relevant. Loves fashion and style. It's trying to get you to buy something, wear the, the, the you know, fix your makeup, whatever. Works hard at being affirming and open-minded. And when you think about being uncommitted and codependent, they don't care about you. But we keep social media going, and social media keeps us addicted, right? But it's not committed to us at all. The third one is news media. Loves being informed, loves giving you the information, high value in being politically involved and politically correct, and you get that flexible and changes with the situation. News changes all the time. And then it's deceptive, false news, self-serving. So that's news media. Guess what candidate number two was? God's word. God's word. God's word. God's word. Most of you picked it. There's a few. It's okay, Elias. Grounded, not easily influenced, challenged the social norms, wants to bring out the best, but often misunderstood and out of touch. We have to understand that the relationship that we have with this, with God's word, affects the relationships that we have outside of that. It affects our marriage. It affects our friendships. It affects our coworkers. It affects our, even our relationships with those that have hurt us in the past. And so I wanted to start here foundational as we move through the other relationships that we have in our life because without getting this right, everything else is wrong. And for those of us who maybe aren't familiar with the Word of God or familiar with Scripture, we can look at this, and it can be really, really intimidating. There's words in here I can't read. There's a whole lot of pages. This one alone has 1,022 pages. Like, how do you find anything in that? You build a relationship with it over time. You know where it's at. And just some quick facts as we look at it from a book standpoint, there's 66 books. It was written in three languages over time in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. There's, there's over 40 authors that, that wrote this from beginning to end, and some were professional writers. Some were religious people. Some were kings and royalty, but, but others were unschooled fishermen. Others were shepherds that hung out in the field. Some were musicians that helped write this. Um, there were religious people. There were homeless prophets that wrote this. 66 books in three languages, over 40 authors. And kind of a super cool fact that I didn't know that in 1613, there was actually something printed called the Wicked Bible. Has anybody heard this? And so they left out words. It was like a typo, a really bad typo, where the commandment says, thou shalt not commit adultery. They left out a very important word, not, <laughs> not. And the last one sold about 20 years ago for about $80,000. There's not very many left. And I thought, man, that is, how did, like, how did that slip by? Like that guy, like you had one job. <laughs> you had one job and you can do it. But so here's statistics that we need to be concerned about. In America alone, there are 87% of homes claim to have a Bible. 87% of homes claim to have a Bible. Most have at least three. I've got way more than three. But this is the sad part. 35% say they read Scripture once a week. 75%, 65% don't read Scripture at all. And of those 35%, you know when the majority of the time they do it? Sundays. Sundays. Right now. 
So we have a poor relationship with God's word. And in order to get the status right on the rest of our relationships, we have to get a better relationship. And what I want you to understand is like, this isn't just a book of stories and facts and advice. This is the living word of God. John says this in John chapter one, John chapter one, verses one through four. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And it says that he created everything through him or through the word and nothing was created except through him. Verse four says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. See, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's referring to Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus was the Word. He is the Word. And I love this. It says, so the Word, in verse 14, so the Word became human and made his home among us. And I love how the message paraphrase puts it. It says, he became flesh. He became human and moved into our neighborhood. See, the Word of God is alive. It's living. And when we read it, it moves into our neighborhood. When we read it, 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 it becomes flesh in us. It moves into our life. And then it says that it becomes to produce life. And it produces light in us that shines in the darkness. And that light can never be extinguished by the darkness. And so if there's some darkness in your world, some oppression, some depression, some sadness, some whatever is, is covering you darkness, the light and the life that you need to put in your neighborhood in your life is the word of God. And Jesus says this. He says, if you remain in me, in John chapter 15, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything that you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. And, 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 and it's not just your heart's desires. He's not saying that as long as you read my Bible, you can have anything that you want. Because there was a season where my wife and I, we dated in high school, and then we went to college, and we broke up in college, and I was fine, like, the first two or three weeks. Like, I was fine. I was moving on. There was a girl down the hallway I was going to talk to, and, and then I saw her talking to somebody, and it just broke me. And so what I tried to do is I tried to manipulate God's word to give me what I wanted. But when you read God's word, it gets you to want what you need. See, I was trying to manipulate, but when you read God's word, it gets you to want what you need. Sometimes we read God's word to get what we want. Does that make sense? And so here's what we have to understand. We have to understand, and I kind of alluded to this, your relationship status with God's word determines the status of your relationship with God. Because if this is an extension of who God is, and you're not spending time in this, then you're not truly knowing who God is. So your relationship status with God is determined by the status of your relationship with his word. And we also, second point is this, is your relationship status with God's word determines the status of your relationship with others. The relationship status you have with God's word determines the status of your, are are they healthy? Are they unhealthy? Is it codependent? Is it toxic? Are you staying in a relationship too long 
or you may be being the toxic person. But depending on the relationship we have with God's word, God's word is going to determine the health of our relationship with other people. Just quickly, some characteristics of Scripture, because sometimes we can see it as just being an old book of history and facts. But what we have to understand, and we look in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, Paul is giving a young pastor some advice. He's, he's basically telling him, you need to stay in God's word. He's telling him the importance of being in God's word. And he says this, he says, all Scripture is inspired by God. And useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good what? Work. Let's say it together. Every good work. I want you to lean in on that. Like, Scripture is God-inspired. It is one paraphrase, one translation puts it. It's, it's God-breathed. So when we read these pages, it's God's breath in our life. When we read these pages, it's God speaking into our life. And so many times we can say, well, God doesn't speak anymore. He's speaking all the time. If you're in a season of life, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a while and maybe he's silent, are your pages silent? Or maybe like you're just checking church out for the first time, like wondering is, is like, is God even real? Does he even speak anymore? Let me just encourage you. Just start in the book of Matthew. Don't go to, Re like everybody wants to go to Revelations. Like everybody, everybody wants to go to Revelations. Like I remember being in college and in the fraternity and it was like, you know, after guys had a few drinks, it's like, let's talk about the Bible. We always wound up talking about Revelations and it was just incredibly confusing. Don't start in Revelations. Start in Matthew. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus because Jesus is God with skin on. We want to know what Jesus or what God is like. Let's read about Jesus. It's God inspired. And if, if, you know, I've said this before to our team, like if, if you want to hear God speak audibly, read your Bible out loud. Some of you will catch that in a minute. All right. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read your Bible out loud because that is his words coming out of your mouth in your eyes, but also going in your ears. And so you're getting hit on every side, just completely immersed in God's word. Second thing is, is this. Paul says it corrects us and it directs us. It corrects us and it directs us. When we're going in the wrong direction, it stops us and then it places us and puts us back in the right direction. But here's what we want to do, especially those of us in the church. We want to use scripture as a window to point at people walking by. But instead, for those of us who are Christians and believers, the word of God is meant to be a mirror so we can see what we have in our teeth. <laughs> right? We're supposed to take the log out of our eye so that we can get the speck out of someone else's eye. But the church, so many times, we want to use this word of God, hold it up, and point at the people walking past our window. And God never intended for that. He used it for it to be a mirror so that we could look into our life and see what needs to be corrected, see what needs to be directed. It talks about it's a light that illuminates every corner of our heart, of our soul, to see what's not supposed to be there. Hebrews talks about it being sharper than any two-edged sword, that it cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, and it reveals our innermost thoughts. And for some of us, we're like, I don't know that I want to know all of that. <laughs> I don't know that I want God to know all of that. 
Yeah, she said it. He already knows. There's nothing you can hide that he doesn't already know. And when we're trying to cover it up, we're just hurting ourselves. And we're just causing more worry and more doubt and more shame on ourselves. And we could just come to God and be just like, look, you already know it. And he's like, I know. I was just waiting on you to, to show it. Right? Whenever God asks us to, to show something or asks us to confess something, it's not for him. It's for us. It's for us. So it corrects and it directs. For me personally, something that I've really been chewing on like for the last two or three weeks. And I was reading just through my Bible in a year, and it talks about the children of Israel when they were going into the, into the promised land. And they wouldn't do it, and they were complaining, and they were like, God, why did you bring us out of Egypt? We're just going to wander in the wilderness and die. And then God makes this statement. He says, I will do the very thing that has come out of your mouth. And I read that, and I kind of paused, like, in my, like, and, like, just stop. Like, all right. Would I be okay with God doing what I've been saying? Would I be okay with God doing, and I'll be honest, like, I, like it, was like, it was like, all right, am I okay with this? No, man, I got to change what's coming out of my mouth. And so when we read things, the word of God convicts us, it corrects us, and then it directs us. And the, the next thing is this, is it prepares and equips us. It prepares and equips us. What we're doing right now is preparing and equipping you guys and me to have healthier relationships. We're preparing and equipping you through God's word, through wisdom, through direction to make better decisions, to be wiser, to make better decisions relationally, to help us go through seasons of storms better. Because when we read this, and we'll talk about how we improve our status in a moment, when, when we improve our status, it helps us go through storms better. Because we're able not to just rely on our own thoughts and our own feelings, but if we truly can believe, guys, that this is truth and that this is alive and this is powerful, then it can change how we think. It can change how we react. Instead of reacting, we respond because we, we've already made a decision. And so it prepares and equips, it corrects and directs, and it's inspired by God. So, so real quick, five things. How do we improve our relationship status with God's word? Some of this is going to be super basic. Some of it is going to be challenging. Because here's what I know. Every single one of us are at a point in our relationship with God's word where we can take another step. Where we can take another step. For some of us, it's going to be a giant step. For others of us, it's going to be a baby step. For others of us, it's just going to be like... I'm just going to stand here and just kind of scoot. But you're moving forward. You're moving. That's our goal is to get you moving forward in your relationship with Jesus. And the first is this. You just have to read God's word. You have to read it. That's so basic. Like apparently that's a new term. Like that's like a hip term. It's like, oh, it's so basic. I can't do that because it's so basic. And it's like there's nothing wrong with basic people. <laughs> we complicate things way too much. It may not be cool, but sometimes the basics is what makes a difference. It's the little things that make a difference. We just have to read it. If 75% of the people in America aren't reading it and 85% have a Bible in their home, there's a huge disconnect. We're failing at the basics. How are we going to do anything any greater if we can't even do the basics? So let me encourage you. Like, It doesn't have to be anything special. Just start carving out time every single day to read God's word. 
we probably waste more time scrolling through social media than we invest in reading God's word. Yeah, none of us raised our hand that we would choose social media as candidate one. But if we were to go back and look at your screen time of Instagram versus the Bible app, who wins? Ouch. That hurt me a little bit too, right? Who wins? So let me just encourage you, like, get a paper Bible. A version Bible app is awesome. Go download it right now. Well, after church. But download it. But let me encourage you, get a paper Bible. There's just something really cool about hearing the pages turn. There's something really cool being able to underline and write notes and then go back and see where God said something to you or spoke to you. And, and to be honest, like, how I have my Bible memorized is based off where my underlines and highlights are. Because I know when I've underlined something and highlighted something that, that I can find what I'm looking for based off what's there. And you, you build a relationship with it. I know, like, it's, Stephen, it's a book. No, it's a person. It's, 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 it's God in pages. And you build a relationship with it. And you form memories with it. And it, it changes you. My old Bible that we used to have um, that I used to preach out of, and I'm afraid to take it anywhere now because Ephesians has fallen out. Uh, and I just haven't had it rebound, but I did my oldest niece's baby dedication, and we took pictures of her hand on Psalm 139, which is a scripture that says, you know, you're fearlessly and wonderfully made. I knit you together piece by piece, and so we took her picture of her hand on that, and I walk away, and I come back, and my Bible's in her mouth, but it's, it's on a completely different passage, it's on a passage from Jeremiah, and when I take the Bible away from her, she's actually has taken a part of the Bible, and now it's in her mouth. And it's, it's right near the passage. Like, the page was missing there. The passage beside it was where God told Jeremiah, see, I have put my word in your mouth. <laughs> and see, see the, like, it's God's word is alive. I fully believe that my niece is going to be speaking God's word. Because, hey, it's like she's digested it already, right? But let me just encourage you. Get a Bible. And if you don't know what translation, we'll help you. Get something that's easy to understand. I read out of the New Living Translation. I like that. The NIV is great. The New Century Version. Like, why are they all these different translations? It's because there's different ways of translating God's Word. You can translate it word for word and, and kind of get that translation, or the new living is kind of holistically. It's like they translated the whole phrase, and this is what it means together. And so if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. If you can't afford one, we've got some New Testaments over here. Let's start there. We'll give you one of those today. But get a Bible or download the app, the second thing. So you got to read it. Second thing is we have to meditate and study on it. And this is where you dig a little bit deeper. I like to think of it as marinating a steak. Any grillers in here, right? Marinating a steak, right? The longer that steak stays in the marinade, the more the marinade is in the steak. And so studying and meditating is a lot like marinating meat, all right? When you read it, you think about it over and over and over. You process it. It's also kind of like this. There's two ways to eat chocolate. One way is the right way. Okay, you can eat it and pop a Hershey Kisses in your mouth real quick, chew it up and eat another one and then eat another one. Or I like to put the Hershey Kisses in my mouth and let it melt. And when you melt, what does it do to the inside of your mouth? 
it just coats the whole inside of your mouth, right? It's just all in there, and the flavor just lasts. And so think about meditation as marinating and just eating chocolate slowly. It sticks with you longer. You're asking questions as you're reading, like, like how does this apply to me? Um, how does this affect my life? How can I put this into practice today? Joshua 1.8 says this. It says, study the book of instruction, talking about scripture. Continually meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything. We got to get you not just reading the Bible, but studying the Bible. So here's what we're going to do. At 2.30 today, there will be a post that is already scheduled for our Facebook and for our Instagram that we're going to start. We've done this with our launch team several times. We're going to start a version Bible reading plan. Okay? It's just four days. Everybody hold up four fingers. You can give me four days, right? Yeah, you can give me four days. You can probably give me... But here's my hope, that it's, it's about why we need to be in God's Word, that over these next four days, we'll be reading this together. And then I can also check in and see who's reading and not reading. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I actually can, but I'm not going to judge. <laughs> All right? I'm not going to judge. I just want to know you have an opportunity to read God's Word. Because I know if I can give you four days that God can do something in those four days. And that maybe when you finish that, you'll be like, man, that was pretty good. I think I'll do another one. And you can find another one to do on your own. So look for it at 2.30 today, Facebook and Instagram. We'll have the details for that. You're going to do it? Thumbs up if you're going to do it, right? I expect all of you. All right, download the app, set up an account, and follow the reading plan. Third thing is this, is memorize. So we read, we meditate, we memorize, all right? David says this, Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Ephesians 6 calls the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We have to understand that when we memorize, we get weapons. When we memorize God's word, we have something that we can bring out in a moment that we can use to combat whatever we're feeling or whatever we're facing in that moment. But if we don't have anything memorized, we're on the battlefield without a weapon, and that's not a good place to be. And I'm not saying you have to memorize a scripture every single day because you got to put a little work. You got to post it on your mirror. You have to put it on your dashboard of your car. You have to think about it. You have to read it. You have to say it. You have to read it. You have to say it. But I can't tell you how many times that scripture that I've memorized has helped me. There's been times maybe I have not thought about that scripture in forever, but then in the moment it just comes to me like that. I was like, where'd that come from? It's because I hid it in my heart. It's because I had a sword ready to pull out. Jesus even quoted scripture to Satan when Satan came to tempt him. Three times Jesus used scripture to fight against Satan. If you don't have a weapon, it's because you haven't memorized scripture. So let me challenge you, memorize it, memorize it, memorize it. Jesus tells a parable about a man who built his house on sand and about a man who built his house on a solid rock. And the man who built his house on sand, when the storms came, his house was destroyed. The man who built his house on the rock, when the storms came, his house withstood the storm. When we memorize, we were building our life on Scripture on a solid rock so that the storms will not destroy. It may like, like blow out some windows or rip off some shingles, but your house will still be standing. So we have to memorize two more things. This last one we talked about last week, you have to obey it. You just can't hear God's word, read God's word, and go out and not do anything with it. You have to do something with it. James says that if you do that, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. That's completely foolish. 
When you hear something, we have to go and obey it. We have to obey it. And the fifth thing is this. Now, this is the step that some of us may need to take. We have to teach it. See, a lot of times we will stop at, some of us, let's be honest, we stop at read it. Some of us, we stop at study it. We might have even memorized and we do okay at reading, but are you teaching it? Because I can tell you personally, for me, that is when I grew in God's word the greatest. It's when I was teaching it. And I'll be like 100%, like I didn't go to seminary. People ask me all the time, when did you go to seminary? I went to Austin Peay State University. My degree is in elementary education. Please come back next week. <laughs> right? Please come back next week. But where I learned the Bible is by teaching the Bible. Because as I'm reading it, I'm preparing it because I know that I have to present it. And it, it digs down deep. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a preacher. I'm not saying you have to lead a Bible study. But there are ways that you can teach the Bible to people in everyday life. We would love for you to lead a Bible study or a small group because I can't disciple everyone by myself. And if God's kind of putting that and stirring that in you, let's have a conversation. We're going to be starting small groups here in the next, you know, hopefully a couple of months or so. But we need people who have a passion or maybe a curiosity even to teach God's word or maybe even a challenge from God to step out and do that. You don't have to know everything. We'll give you tools. We'll equip you to be able to do that. And it doesn't have to be like what I'm doing. You can teach it in everyday life by making it personal, by making it personal. When I was working at FedEx, and I'll try to wrap up. When I was working at FedEx, I tried not to tell everybody I was a pastor because people start acting weird when they find out you're a pastor. Like they cussed all the time, then they find out you're a pastor. Suddenly they're like speaking like King James Old English to you. And so and, so, and this, this, this one guy found out I was a pastor after I'd already been preaching to him. But he didn't realize I'd been preaching to him because we were both up for a promotion. And he didn't get the interview for the promotion, and I did. And he'd been there like five years. I'd been there five months. And, and here's what I said to him is they were putting me in trailer 310. And I was loading boxes at that point. We would load 2,000 boxes in 310. We would do like three trailers a night in 310. Nobody wanted to be in 310. And I asked him, I said, do you think they put me in 310 because I wasn't a good worker? And he said, no, they put you in 310 because I knew you'd take care of it. And I was like, that's right. So they gave me that responsibility of taking care of 310, and now I'm getting the responsibility of taking care of something else. He, on the other hand, anytime a supervisor asked him to go home or if he wanted to go home, guess what he said? Yes. If they said, you want to go home? He would always say yes. He was the first one out. And his advice to people, to new hires, he would always tell the new hires, hey, if they ask you to go home, always say yes. Because you never know when you'll get to leave. And so we had this conversation. I was like, I'm getting the promotion because I did what they asked me to do plus some. And so I told him that like a week before. And then when he found out I was a pastor, he's like, can you give me the sermon today? And I was like, I actually preached a sermon to you last week. You didn't even know it. It was the parable of the talents. <laughs> it was like, look, you take care of the little things that God's given you or your boss gives you. You take care of that well. You'll be promoted and sometimes we look at promotion as only a raise, but sometimes a promotion is more responsibility before the raise. And so I'm not saying you got to preach, but use as you memorize, you study and read, God's word will come out in stories. Because not all discipleship needs to take place in here. It needs to take place out there. 
And I can't do it all. You have to do it. But you have to have a healthy relationship with God's word. So how's the status of your relationship with God's word? I want to challenge you. Read it. Study it. Meditate. Memorize. Obey it. But also teach it in little ways. And you'll find out that you grow more than you could imagine. It says that the word of God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Talking about Jesus coming to earth for us. And so we do this every service. And maybe you're here today and your relationship with the word of God is not great because your relationship with God isn't great. And let me just tell you, you don't have to memorize the Bible before he accepts you, before he loves you. You don't have to have everything together and just right before he accepts you and loves you. He's already proven his love to you. Over 2,000 years ago, when he came here as a child, grew up inconspicuously, started his ministry at 30 years old, and for the next three years, he preached the good news. He healed the sick, and he changed lives. So much so, he was making such a difference that people wanted to silence him. The religious wanted to silence him because he was changing the way they had always done things. He was changing people's lives, but not the way they thought it ought to be done. And see, we think we have to change our lives the way we think it ought to be done by changing our behavior. Jesus wasn't about changing behavior. He was about changing hearts. And we just read that we guard our hearts through the word of God. And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head just for a moment. And I want you to check as we check the relationship status of our relationship with God's word. What's the relationship status for you and God? Are you guys on good terms? Are you on no terms? What's, what's that relationship like? And, and maybe you need to realign that relationship again. Or maybe you need to come into relationship with him. And it's not anything that you have to do because he's already done it all. And if that's you today, I just want you to just simply... Just lift your hand and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. We do this every single week because I don't want to miss an opportunity every single week. If you say, I need a change in my life, just simply lift up your hand. Just another moment. Okay, awesome, awesome. Everyone's good in this room. All right, everyone look up here at me. Believe in everyone's good in this room. That's between you and Jesus. Don't care if hands were lifted. I believe hearts are lifted. But here's what I know. He wants more for you than you think he wants from you. And so as we go through this next week, I want to challenge you starting today at 2.30. Sign up for that devotion together. We'll start it tomorrow morning. And let's grow in God's word together so that we can grow in our relationship with God. Let me just pray for us. Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you. For the men and women that are here, God, but most of all, I thank you for your presence that was here, God, that is here. Thank you that you opened our hearts in worship, that you reminded us that you are a champion, that we come from a place of fighting from victory, not for victory. God, that the, the battles we've, we face today and even tomorrow, you go before us. God, you protect us from the back and the sides. God, as we work on growing our relationships, God, I pray that, that we would start with you and it starts with getting in your word because the purpose of, of reading God's word is, is it's not to know the Bible, but God, it's to get to know you. 
And so, God, I pray that you would challenge us. Maybe we set out at the beginning of the year to read every single day, and maybe we've kind of fallen off or we've slipped and we've missed some days. Or maybe we've given up. God, I pray that you would put us back on track so that we can grow in our relationship with you through your word. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the lives that were changed. And maybe even someone that didn't lift their hand, God, but they lifted their heart and they gave you their life today. God, we celebrate with all of heaven. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God a big round of applause.